say amen. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And all God's people say it. You know, I, I learned something a long time ago, long time ago, about don't knock it until you tried it. Y'all with me? How many of y'all ever learned through uh, uh, food that there's some things, don't knock it until you've tasted it? I remember, I remember, the, you can be seated. Y'all been staying a long time. You can be seated. Uh, I remember when I had people trying to get me to try sweet potato pie. Now, how many of y'all like sweet potato pie? Come on, raise it. Yeah, y'all God's children. Amen. I can... But when they first wanted me to try a sweet potato pie, I said, man, that thing looks nasty. It looks like you put baby food in that. You know, I mean, baby food looks like regurgitated previous food. Amen. I'm not eating that. And I, I just say this and that about it. And then, and then uh, I think I did it on a dare, I think. I don't, I don't remember, but they, they, it was, you know, with a redneck, that's the only way you're going to get them to eat something is dare them, you know, then they'll do whatever. But I finally tried sweet potato pie. And I thought to myself, why, you big idiot. You have gone half your life, and you have missed out on the, the, the delight that fell straight out of heaven. Say amen. amen. Now, now, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. We have, we have all kinds of people that come to temple, all kinds of people. We have, we have seekers. We have saints. We have people that's been saved a long time. We have people that's, there's some people here come because your spouse made you come. And I get it. I understand that. Uh, I remember going to church for a long time uh, because my dad made me come, and, and, uh, and, and I had to go because I, I had to go or you get a whooping. But uh, you're wondering why all these people either have a tear in their eye or maybe they've got their hand in the air or, or, or why are these people getting so emotional about all that? Here, here's all I'm saying. Don't knock it till you try it. Be, be careful of being too critical of something you don't understand. Because there's a lot of great things in my life that I've missed out on because I was critical because I just didn't really understand it. And, 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 and the Lord is kind of like sweet potato pie. And I got, I got Bible for that. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. All right? So here's what I encourage you to do. Just say, Lord, speak to me. If all this stuff is real... If all this stuff, if this is not just a, a fairy tale that people are trying to uh, manage through life with, uh, Lord, speak to me. And I guarantee you this, he will. He will. And all God's people say it. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 24. Verse number 24. This is the first part uh, of the message today is going to be kind of review of what we've been covering the last uh, three or four weeks. We've been talking about the subject, balancing the demands of life. Balancing the demands of life. Trying to get a, a, a hold of what's got a hold of us. Bringing, uh, trying to bring order into a chaotic life. We're just going, going, going to and fro here and there. And, and so that's what we've been talking about for at least the last three weeks or four weeks that I know of. And, and so what I want to do is to kind of bring it together and, and uh, uh, kind of review first and then talk about the topic that we want to deal with today, okay? Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, in verse number 24, if you found your spot, say amen. Uh, Paul is speaking here, and the whole chapter is dealing with priorities and saying no. Say that with me. And saying, no. do you realize you'll never get control of your life until you learn to say no? You've got to learn to say no. 
You have to be disciplined to the point that you can say no to good things so you can experience the best things. There were things in this chapter he said no to certain foods because it would make his brother stumble. He said no to a salary from the, the Corinthians because he didn't want them to say, hey, I'm just after the money. He said no uh, to uh, a, a lifestyle. He said, I am free from all men, but I have made myself servant to all. Why? Because he had priorities. He had priorities in his life. He wanted to win people to Christ. He wanted to share the gospel, and he didn't want anything to interfere with that. So he had to say he had to say no. He had to, he had to put some priorities in his life, and he had to protect areas of his life. So that's what we're dealing with here in verse 24. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man, how many of them? Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. In other words, he says everybody that strives for excellence. That is, that is seeking to be excellent in whatever they're doing. Here he's in reference to the games, the Olympic games, and the Greek games of that day. He said everybody that wants to win, everybody that wants to be superior, everybody that wants to experience excellence in their life, they have to be temperate in all things. In other words, that word discipline, say that with me. They have to be disciplined in all things. They were careful where they went. They were careful what they ate. They were careful how they trained. They were careful about how much sleep they received. They were in training. He says they were disciplined. Now watch what he says. He says in verse 25, Now they do it. They're disciplined. They are very careful. They are very watchful. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown. In that day, they would receive, if you won, you would receive a wreath that went around your head. A wreath that's made out of leaves. All right? But... They were, he said, they did it to receive something that would turn brown. He said, but we're doing it. We're doing it. We are disciplined because we are going to receive an incorruptible crown. Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. In other words, I'm very careful. I'm not ruled by my appetites. I'm not ruled by my flesh. I'm not ruled by my desires. I'm very disciplined. Why? He says, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a, a castaway. He said, we need discipline in our lives. And all God's people say it. Father, I pray that you'll honor and bless your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may, listen, I, here's, 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 I want to give you, I want to give you five words. I want to give you five words just kind of as an introduction and then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss those that we give. All right, number one is if you're writing notes, taking this down, just write these five words down. First is objective. What is our objective? We talked several weeks ago about our purpose. Why are we here? What is our objective? Why are we here to learn this stuff? Why do we want to get control of our life? Why do we want to find balance? Why do we want to do these things? So we've we got to kind of know why we're doing this, all right? Objective. Then the second thing I want you to write down is priorities. Priorities. Once we know what we're trying to accomplish, we got to make some priorities. We got to decide what's important. What is important and where should it be in our lives? So we have objective, we have priorities, then we have a schedule. Guess what? When you figure out what your priorities are, you schedule for the priorities. You put them in the place in the order they need to be. All right? Then we have the dreaded word. We have the, the, the cuss word to most people discipline. 
discipline. This is what we're going to deal with today. Then, then, lastly, write this down. We'll probably talk about this next week. I want you to write down the word accountability. Accountability. We will never be truly disciplined till we put ourselves under accountability. We'll cover that next week. All right, now, here's what I want to do. Here's a review. Here's a review. First three points are a review. So point number one, what is our objective? Why are we doing this? Why are we coming to learn this? And why are we, why are we trying to get a hold of our life? You say, preach, I just need a break. Well, it needs to be more than that. If your only motivation to get control of your life is because you need a breather or you need a break, then it's never going to happen. You say, preacher, why should we order our life and get things the way they need to be and prioritize things? Because first thing, you need to understand, your number one purpose in life is to glorify God. Period. Glorify God. God created you. God made you. He put man upon this earth. He dug out of the dust of the ground, formed the body of man, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And the purpose for him being on this planet, the purpose for you and I being on this planet, is to bring glory and honor to our Creator. The Bible says, whatsoever things ye do, do all to the, say that with me, do all to the glory of God. If you are a painter, paint to the glory of God. If you're a preacher preach to the glory of God if you're a doctor you need to you need to work on people and and medicate people to the glory of God do everything in your life whether you play whether you work whether whatever you're at you are to bring glory to God people or to see how great God is through the life that you live somebody say amen our whole purpose in life is to bring glory to our creator not only not only do we want to bring glory to God but I want to do this. I want to manage life. I want to manage life. Look at the word, the word manage. The word manage, this is, this is Webster's Dictionary. It means to govern, to control. I like this one. To make tame. To make tame. How many of y'all have seen a life that was out of control that needed taming? I remember my, my, my dad, he, some, somebody gave my dad a horse. And it was a black horse, and it was demon-possessed. Are y'all with me? I'm serious. This horse was crazy. He put a saddle on this horse, and this is what he said. We're going to ride this thing. And it's funny that he used the word we because he never got on it. But he put this, this saddle on this horse, and he said, all right, get up on it. I said, I don't want to. He said, get up on it anyway. You chicken, I dare you to. There, there he is, that redneck, you know. So I climbed on that horse, and God is my witness. This is what happened. That horse turned around and looked at me. His whole head, I thought it was an exorcism. He's just going to go all the way around, amen. That horse turned around and looked at me, and he laid his ears back. And when he done that, I went, uh-oh. And let me tell you something. That horse went stark raving crazy. It was jumping up and down and twisting and contorting and doing all kind of things. He went one way and I went the other. That horse needed taming. You know what? Some of our lives are just like that. Some of us are living our lives in such a way we feel like we're on that horse every single day of our life going tossed to and fro, throwing about, thinking we're going to get killed. Something's going to happen. You know what? We need to get a hold of it. We need to manage our life. We need to tame our life. 
bringing order into chaos. Why am I doing this? Why am I learning this stuff? I want to glorify God. Then B, I want to manage my life. Then, then C, I want to be effective. I want to be effective. Preacher, what are you saying? I do not just want to exist. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say I spent my whole life just going to work to get some money to pay the bills. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. I want to make an impact. I've heard people say this all the time. Oh, I don't want nobody to weep for me when I'm gone. I don't want nobody crying over me. I do. I want y'all are sorry that I'm gone. Say amen. I want there to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I want there to be a month of mourning. Say amen. Say, preacher, what is the point? Hey, I was asked this question. And man, this is, you think about this. If your church ceased to exist, would your community know it? In other words, are you making enough difference? Are you making enough impact that if you were gone, somebody would know it? You see, that's the kind of life I want people to know I'm gone. I want to make such a difference in somebody's life that they, they are sorry that I'm gone. Are y'all, does this make sense? I want to be effective. The Bible says that we are to bear fruit. Look what it says in, in Colossians 1.10. He, he tells them in verse number 9, he says that I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. In verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Man, I want to make a difference. Why do we need to bring order into chaos? So we can make a difference. So we can actually live a life that's making a difference in somebody else's. If you want that, say amen. 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 That's our objective. That's why we're doing this stuff. All right, number one, our objective. Number two, if we're going to accomplish our objective, we've got to have priorities. Number two, our priorities. And I I made this easy. About two weeks ago, I preached on this, made a list, put it there. And and let's let's just kind of rehearse them real quick. First, this is obvious. This is obvious. If you don't get this, you're fired and you can't come back. Amen. What is our number one priority? God. Hallelujah. God's first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So God is first. Number two, our spouse. Say that with me. Our our spouse. Then number three, our family or our, our children. If you are putting your children before your spouse, you're wrong. It's out of order. It's a wrong priority. It is God, our spouse, our children, then our work. Work has to be a priority. We have to, we have to provide for our families. We have to, the Bible says a man don't work, neither should he eat. Say amen right there. Our work, then our ministry, what we do for Christ, what we do for God. Now, that, I'm not going to rehash all that. If you want to know more about that and those priorities, go back two weeks ago and watch that service. But... That's, that's it. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to put our focus in Him. He is our main priority. And God wants to be involved with our life with our spouse. God wants to be in our, our life with our children and our work and our ministries. So we've got we to kind of put things in, in perspective and, and, and prioritize things of, of levels of importance and where they need to be. Now, once we have our priorities down, once we've got that figured out, then number three, there's our schedule. Our schedule, and I'm not going to spend much time on this because it's really, it's a no-brainer, it's self-explanatory. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, let all things, how many things? All things. Let all things be done decently and in order. Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Psalms 119, 133, order my steps in thy word 
and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So what is he saying? We need to get things in order. Once we've figured out our priorities, let's schedule for it. Let's schedule for it. Now, here's one thing I want everybody to get. Your schedule, your schedule does not determine your priorities. But it will reveal them. Did you hear what I said? Your schedule does not determine your priorities. You do. You determine what's important. You determine what your priorities are, and then you schedule for them. In other words, there was two things. When we started this whole series, we said there was two things we've got to get control of. We've got to learn it to manage and get a hold of. It's our time and our money. Now watch this. If I take your day planner for a solid week, and I take your checkbook for a solid week and determine, guess what? I'll find out what's important. Because what's important to you is where you spend your time and where you spend your money. Your schedule will reveal what's important to you. Does this make sense? Say amen. Where, where, man's, where man's treasure is, there will his heart be also. In other words, you get with God. You decide what's important in your life. And then you schedule according to that. Because, it, and you say, well, I tell you what, my spouse is the most important thing in the world besides God, but I look at your day planner, and you ain't spent quality time with her in three weeks. So guess what? What you think and what is reality is two different things. If your schedule doesn't line up with your priorities or what you say your priorities are, you're lying. Some of us just need to go check our schedule. And then we'll see what our real priorities are. And then we need to adjust our schedule to what they're supposed to be. And all God's people say it. All right? Now, how many of you know it doesn't even matter if you've got a good schedule or a good budget if you don't have discipline? You can, you can write out any schedule you want to write. You can write out any budget you want to write. You can write out any diet plan you want to write. Say amen. But if you don't have discipline, I have started several times. Are y'all with me? And I'm doing real good till I pass Krispy Kreme and there's a light that's flashing. Say amen. And then, oh boy. Amen. Now, y'all looking all holy and everything. Don't even play that with me. How many of y'all have started dieting before? We can start good, can't we? You see, that's why, that's why that gym makes you sign a contract. They not no dummy. Because they know if you come that first month, you ain't coming back. Preacher, what's, what's, the, what's the point? The point is this. We need discipline. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes to use the word budget. I don't like that. That's so controlling. And, 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 and we look at it so wrong. We, we look at the word budget and we say, that's the enemy. That's not our friend. No, it is your friend. A budget will keep you in line. A budget is a friend. It's a helper to help you manage life. So that when you get 100, you're not broke. Say Amen. It's not the enemy. 
prioritizing things and making a schedule for that and putting things in their rightful place is not the enemy. It's your friend. It will help you. And we need discipline. Now, let's talk about discipline. Because I, 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 if there's anybody... <laughs> If there's anybody in this building that doesn't like discipline, it's me. When, when I played sports and they made us run and made us do all that, I hated them. I didn't like it. I didn't like running. I didn't like accountability. I didn't, I didn't like, but I tell you what, I liked winning. He said, he said only one's going to win. Now, this is in the, in the Greek games, but I thank God we can all win in life. Amen. But, but the thing is, is everybody wants to win the game. Everybody wants to hold up the trophy, but nobody wants to go to practice. Everybody wants to get control of their life. Everybody wants to be successful in life. Everybody wants to have a, a, a financial way where you're not worried to death all the time. Everybody wants this stuff, but nobody wants to discipline their lives so this can happen, including your preacher. I don't like it. But guess what? Paul says it's necessary. How many of y'all think Paul was a pretty good Christian? He's probably one of the greatest Christians there ever was. I mean, he, he wrote several, several books in your Bible, uh, got to go to heaven and come back. I mean, he, he just, an incredible, started church after church after church, an incredible missionary and all that. And you know what he said in this chapter that we just read? He's afraid of messing up. I'm talking about Paul the apostle, the scripture writer, the church planner the one who done all of these things, he said he lived his life in such a way he did not want to mess up because he knew he had potential. He said, I need discipline in my life if I'm ever going to make a difference. Paul. Now, let me ask you a question. If Paul needed discipline, let me say it again. If Paul needed discipline, how much more do we? How much more do we? Now watch. Let's talk about discipline a little bit. This is, this is the message. Let me give you just three quick things about discipline and we'll, we'll pray. <clears throat> Number one, or A. A, I want you to write this down. I want you to see discipline defined. Discipline defined. What is discipline? I mean, really, what, what, what is discipline? If we make it real easy, make it real easy so everybody in the room can understand it. What is discipline? Here's a simple way of describing discipline. Doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. So oh, that's just too, really? No, let's think about that. Doing what needs to be done, here's the kicker, when it needs to be done. Now, some of us don't have a problem doing what needs to be done. It's getting around to it. Y'all with me? Y'all going to get with me? Y'all going to just act holier than now this morning? Am I right? How many of y'all have issues with procrastination before? I'm going to get around to it. Well, I tell you what, I need to. Discipline is not activity. It's doing it when it needs to be done. Let me describe our life. How many of y'all ever had to write a term paper? And then from the devil? What's wrong with these people, man? All right. You get the term paper. Here's your date. Here's your date. On the day the teacher's describing it, 
the teacher's describing everything you got to have, everything you got to put with it, all the information, blah, 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 all this stuff. And, and, and here's on the day that he's giving you the term paper, she's giving you the term paper, you're thinking, i got plenty of time. I tell you what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to blow this out. The, I, I, I'm going to mesmerize this professor with my ability. And then the next day, i got plenty of time. Then the next day, uh, 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 man, there's a ball game. Well, and then the next game, there's a, there's an, there's a cookout. And, well, I'm going to get around to it. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff has happened, and now it's Sunday night before it's due on Monday. You stay up to 4 o'clock in the morning, and you turn in a 15-page term paper with 12 and a half pages, and it's cheesy. Hello? I'm preaching this morning, ain't it? Low down, sorry paper. And you know it's sorry. Now let's back up a minute. Let's back up a minute. Let's, let's go back. Let's hit the rewind button. Beep. And, and go all the way back to the game. You're sitting there trying to enjoy the game. And the whole time you're trying to enjoy the game, you're thinking about what? The paper. Then the next day, the next day, you're at the, you're at the cookout. And you're trying to enjoy the barbecue pork and the baked beans. And you, everybody you take, you're thinking about the, and so on, and so on, and so on. So now, we have a cheesy paper, and we have been a, had a miserable week, because all we can think about is what we should be doing. You know what? You know what we do? Even after school, we live our whole life like that. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to the agendas and the schedule we have to keep, we, we're, we're stretching ourselves so thin because we just won't do what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it. And all God's people say it. That's discipline. But let me give you some encouragement. Because so far in the message, I'm like almost in a total depression. Amen. Because discipline is just so, t I just, I know, I know I'm supposed to do it. And I know when I'm supposed to do it. And so here's the cool part. Write this down. Discipline is not just doing what needs to be done when, when it sh should be done. But discipline is a fruit of the Spirit. It is a byproduct of walking with the Spirit. Now what does that mean? It means we got help. It means we're not in this thing by ourselves. It means that we're not just here with our bootstraps, pull our bootstraps up, and we're going to tough it out, bless God, and I'm going to be disciplined if it kills me. It don't have to be that way. Why? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Look what it says in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That means self-control. In other words, we're going to get it from God. God will help us with this. We don't have to do it by ourselves. It's not about self-effort. It's not about trying harder. It's about spending the time with God so we can have the fruit of the Spirit in our life and we can have discipline. Thank God. When I had to run those laps, it was me out there. There wasn't nobody helping. That coach was screaming. He wasn't helping. Say amen. But it's not that way in life. It's not that way when it comes to the things of life that we need discipline. God said, I will help you. 
I will give you what you need to experience the discipline you need so you can follow the priorities and experience an abundant life. Aren't you glad we've got help? Amen. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Then, then this is another, this is another cool thing. <clears throat> Number three, discipline is a process that is learned over time through training. Discipline is a process that is learned over time through training. And this is encouraging because there's a lot of young Christians that are frustrated because they're not as disciplined as seasoned saints. And they get, they get upset. Why can't I spend the time in the Word like so-and-so? Why can't I spend the time in prayer like so-and-so? Because they've been doing it a long time. Let me use the illustration. How many of you have ever heard of that couch to 5K? Uh-huh. Raise your hand again. You, you say, let me change it, let me change it. How many of y'all have never heard of couch to 5K? Raise your hand. Uh-huh. I know what y'all haven't been doing. A couch to 5K is a training program to get people off the couch and run a 5K. Now we know why we don't know what that is. Amen. I mean, people that's never done anything, that's never exercised whatsoever, sit on the couch, couch potato, out of shape, and this program teaches them how to get off the couch and hit the track. And in nine weeks, in nine weeks, they move from being a couch potato to being on the track. And here's the thing. It's a little bit at a time. I, last night, I, I just, I, I, I get so caught up with the illustration, and I, and I was looking some of this stuff up, and I was reading testimonies and, and reading uh, biographies of people who's done this, and now they're running full marathons and all this kind of stuff. And, man, I was just intrigued. They could go from one to the other, and the key, it's a process. They don't get off the couch and go to the track and say, all right, three miles, here we go. You know why they don't do that? Because they'll die at a quarter mile. I told them in the first service, I said, man, I'm reading all these testimonies. That makes me want to run. Yeah, that was their response right there. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? You're supposed to be encouraging the preacher, amen? And I thought, how did, how did they do this? I read, I read a, 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 a story of a pastor whose secretary, who was just not a runner, out of shape and all this kind of thing. And, and, and he told, he, or she told him that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a 5K. And he was in shape. He was running. He just kind of snickered a little bit and said, well, just be careful. And, and he just didn't think nothing of it. Well, several weeks went by. Several weeks went by, and, 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 and she, she went through the process, started, started exercising, getting better and better, and did her 5K and all. Well, one day, one day, she came in and said, said, said Preacher, is there any way that, that I could come in a half hour late tomorrow? I'll work later, but can I come in a half hour late? She says, why? She says, because i got to do my 16 miles in the morning. She was in training for a marathon. And she had, she, he said, what? He said, yeah, I've done my 15. Now, he said, you run 15 solid miles? Blown away. Blown away. But guess what? It's a process. Little by little by little by little. Listen, don't think that you have to have it all down and figured out overnight. How many of y'all know that don't work? But we can get it. We can be disciplined. But it's going to come over time. And it's a process. Don't give up on the process. And all God's people say it. Now watch. Now watch. First we find discipline defined. Aristotle. I, I, I wrote a quote down. Uh, Aristotle, this is what he said. We are 
what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. Listen, this reminds us that success doesn't come overnight. On the contrary, it's discipline that gets you from point A to the often elusive point B. It's a process. All right, now, secondly, or or B, I want you to write this down. Not only do we see discipline defined, but discipline demanded. Why is it so important? Why can't we just come to church and, you know, do some singing and, 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 and hear a little preaching to, to help us and encourage us, make us feel better about ourselves? And then, no, watch what it says. It says in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, and beside this, beside what? If you go back and read the chapter, he's talking about salvation. He says, once you are saved, this is what I want you to add to your life. This is what I want you to put in your life. He says uh, in verse number, verse number 5, He says, giving all diligence. In other words, work hard at it. Strive for this. Do everything you can to accomplish this. Put this in your life. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, and to not. Y'all, boy, y'all don't like this point. Amen. And to knowledge, temperance. And what is that? Self-control, discipline. Discipline. Do you know what God knows? If we're going to be effective, we have to be disciplined. Do you know what makes an incredible fighting force? We have a disciplined military. They are very disciplined in every single thing they do. If they are undisciplined, they're not effective. And do you know that God compares us to an army? He compares us to soldiers in a battle, soldiers in a war. And if we're ever going to be what God wants us to be, we have to be disciplined. Church, say amen. Now, here's the one we go home on. Here's the most important one. We saw discipline defined. We saw discipline demanded. We know that God wants, could we all agree that God expects us to be disciplined as Christians? Are y'all with me? We all agree on that. Now, number three, here's, here's, here's here's the kicker. I want you to see discipline developed. How do we develop discipline in our life? How do we develop discipline? And it's not going to be as complicated as you think. It's going to be very easy. It's not going to be as hard as you think. How do we develop discipline in our life to get up and do what we're supposed to do, to read our Bible when we're supposed to read it, to pray when we're supposed to pray, to spend time with God when we're supposed to do it, to spend time with our spouses or our children or, or whatever it may be? How do, we, how do we develop that discipline? Number one, number one, and you, 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 may, not, you may not understand how powerful this, this first point is. You've got to have a desire. You have to want it. One of the most frustrating things in counseling, one of the most frustrating things in helping people is when you're trying to help somebody that's not willing to help themselves. When you're wanting something for someone who doesn't want it for themselves. How many of y'all are parents in here? Raise your hand if you're parents in here. Isn't it frustrating when you try to explain something to your kid and you try to help them understand how important something is and you want it for them so bad, but they don't want it? Don't they want you to just choke them in Jesus' name? We don't do that much. Amen. We Marriages don't work unless they want it. 
listen, couples come to my office, and I say, do you want it? Do you want it? Then, then it'll work. They say, no, it won't work. It won't work. Now, sometimes marriages can get so bad that you don't, you don't want to try, but you're willing for the sake of the kids, or you're willing for the sake of whatever. We can move and, and try to get that back to a point where you do want it. And then when you do want it, then you take the steps to fix it. But I found this out. If you don't want it, it won't work. And you see, you've got to want this. You've got to want, you know what, you know what changes a lot of times? You know, you have a team. You have two teams on a field. They're both the same size. They both have the same ability. They both have the same talent. You know who's going to win the game? The one that wants it the worst. You got to want it. Say, preacher, I know I got to want it, but I'm really bad. Well, then you need to pray and ask God, please give me the desire to be what you want me to be. Because it starts with a desire. You have to want it. Number two. Number two, this is really important too. You have to make an effort. Look what the word says in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. Watch this what he says. So run that ye may obtain. Say that word with me. That ye may. I looked that word up in Webster's Dictionary. This, watch, what, watch what obtain means. It means to get. It means to gain, to procure. To gain possession of a thing, to acquire. Now watch. This word usually implies exertion to get possession. In other words, something has to be done to get it. Exertion to receive possession. And in this, it differs from receive, which may or may not imply exertion. Here's a good illustration. This morning, this morning, I had some folks that came this morning and and gave me some vegetables out of a garden. All right, they worked and they turned the soil and they planted the seed and they picked the weeds and they did all of these things and they obtained through exertion fruit from their garden. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I was standing at the church and they came to me with a white bag and said, here it is. They obtained, I received. I didn't make the exertion. I didn't plant the garden. I didn't turn the soil. I didn't pick the weeds. I didn't do all these things. But I received it because it was a gift. It was a gift. It was something given to me as a gift and as appreciation and that type of thing. Here's my thing. Discipline is not a gift. You're not going to say, oh, God, make me disciplined. Really? Now, how many of y'all have tried that? Be honest, come on. Discipline is not something received. Discipline is obtained. You've got to make an effort. You've got to make an effort. You can have all the plans. You can have the couch, the 5K laid in front. I downloaded this on my desk. We'll see how far that goes, amen. But if I don't make a... You me tell you what's the secret to marriage? It's not love. I promise you it's not that. Because there's going to be times you ain't in love. You want to kill them. 
I tell them in weddings all the time, they don't believe me. I said, there's going to be days, I, 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 you, you ain't even going to like each other. My favorite is this. This is just commercial. This don't have nothing. But my favorite is when, when, when young couples come in for marriage counseling before marriage. And you know how they are, just all over each other. You know, oh, this is wonderful. This is the greatest thing in the world. You all know, hug you. No. Yeah. <laughs> they sit down there, and they're just so cozy. And I, and I begin to explain about real life and how there's going to be days that are difficult. There are days y'all don't agree and, and days y'all just can't get along. And, 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 and I love it. I love this when they say, we just can't see how that could be. We're just so in love. Six months after getting married, she comes in that door, he comes in that one. That crazy woman. I said, oh, no, Romeo, I don't want to hear that. No. Listen, great marriages are not about love. Great marriages are what effort you put into it. It's the effort. If you don't put nothing into it, you're not going to get nothing out of it. Amen. If we're going to be disciplined, we got to make an effort. we got to try. We can't just sit back and say, oh, God, give it to me. Lay it on me because you ain't going to get nothing. Because God said this, draw nigh to me. Draw nigh to me. And then he said, I will draw nigh. You see, you got to make an effort. All right, this, this, is, this is the part right here. This is, the, this is the key to the whole deal. This is the key to the whole deal. We've got to have a desire. We've got to make an effort. And here, here's how discipline comes. Through relationship. Through relationship. Preacher, what do you mean? Here's what I'm saying. And, I, and I'm trying to be as, as discreet as possible with young people in the room. But where does fruit come from? Relationship. You, you, have, you have two healthy beings. Whether it be trees, fish, turtles, or people. Are y'all with me? If there are two healthy beings that have relationship and intimacy, there's going to be fruit. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to be able to explain this, and y'all say amen right there. Do you realize there was some, there was some uh, 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 football players selling peaches? Come by my, come by my office and begging money and and and, and they, pitiful looking boys. Say amen. Rough. I, I I told him one I'd give him one if he just got a haircut. Amen. Look like a, a anyway. All right. So they brought them peaches in. Do you realize you cannot go to a factory and get a peach? Man has been able to make and create all kind of stuff, but he can't make life. Man cannot manufacture an apple. Man cannot manufacture a peach. Now, they can take life and do it and manipulate it, but they cannot manufacture that. You say, why is that so important? How many of y'all have tried to manufacture discipline? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm telling you, it kills me this time. I'm, I'm, this time, I'm serious. Hello. Anybody else said that before? 
758,000 times. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to manufacture it. And it don't work. I mean, there are some people that may be a little more disciplined than others, but, but that's in their makeup, but they're rare. Say amen. That's why you don't have a, a, you know, a, a thousand Olympians all the time. They're rare individuals. So what's the deal? If fruit comes from relationship and, and discipline is a fruit of the Spirit, listen, the discipline you need is going to come from your relationship with the... Hello. Yeah. Now, how does, how does relationship happen? How does intimacy happen? Through friendship. Through communication. Listen, if you're married today, you remember sending the notes or sending the... They, well, they didn't do Texas back then, but, but whatever you sent, you know, hey, baby. You wanted her to know you, and, and you, you, you wanted to know her. And, and, and so you begin to communicate. And those, those letters became phone calls or times at the park or, or whatever that might be. But you, you, y'all with me? I'm trying to make this as simple as I can get. How do we, how do we create intimacy with God? Communication. You got to learn to spend some quiet time with him. I'm not talking about time in front of the TV. That's not intimate. I'm not talking about time around all of your friends. This is not where you build intimacy with God. This is where you learn about God. It's in your closet at home spending time in prayer with God that you build intimacy. Now here's the key. Say, preacher, this is crazy. I have to have discipline to do that. I know I'm supposed to pray. I know I'm supposed to spend time with God. I know I'm supposed to have quiet time. But I got to have discipline to stick with it. I got my schedule. But here's the thing. You make the effort. You start it. And he'll finish it. He said, draw nigh to. And he will draw nigh to. You ready to make an effort? I promise you this. I promise you this. It's worth it. It's worth it. But it will not happen automatically. You have to make an effort. Now let me say this. I said this in the early service and I'll say it in here. I know there's some folks that, that are just not comfortable with reading. Reading is not easy for you and it's a struggle. And because it's a struggle, you just don't want to do it. Because here's the thing. God communicates to you through his word. So you got to be able to get in the word. Now here's the thing. Thank God for technology. Thank God for technology. I've got my phone in, in my office, and on my phone is the whole Bible. I can listen and read any chapter, any verse, any time of the day. So, preacher, I don't have no smartphone. Hey, they make it on CD. They make it on CD. And I'll give you this promise. If you don't have a smartphone, you, you're, you, you can't read that well, you don't like to read that well, and it's, it's very difficult for you, if you'll see me after the service or, or one of our, uh, our staff people, we will get the Bible on CD for you. If you will listen to it. And if you will use it to spend time with God. Preacher, is it that big a deal? Yes. Yes. Because it will never be developed until you make an effort and get in your Bible. I don't care. I don't care if it's five minutes a day. My, my, my daughter, she's all into that crazy P90X and, and whatever it is. Where you get on and watch the guy on the TV and he, like, kills you. 
She's in the warm-up stretching, and I'm sweating watching. And she showed me a sign. I don't remember whether it was a T-shirt or a sign that she had seen on, on, the, uh, on the, uh, the, the, the Internet or whatever. And it said, I may be slow, but I'm lapping everyone on the couch. Now think about that. You may not be reading three hours a day. You may not be, you know, studying and outlining the Bible and writing your own commentary. But if you're doing five minutes worth, it's still more than what everybody else is doing. It's not doing anything. Start. If you will, if you will do it out of duty. How many of y'all know we're supposed to read our Bible? Come on, let's be in agreement. Are we supposed to read our Bible? That's how God communicates to us. Are we supposed to pray? The Bible says pray without ceasing. It says study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman need not be ashamed, rightly dividing word of truth. So we, we got a no-brainer. We're supposed to read our Bible and we're supposed to pray. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If we just start a little bit, just a little bit, it w- if we do it because of duty, that's okay. That's okay. If we do it just because we know we're supposed to, that's okay. But eventually, in just a little bit, you'll start seeing things. And then all of a sudden, the God who created the whole universe will speak to you. And, and you'll see a verse that was just for you at just the right time for just the right season. And you'll know it was meant just for you. And man, your heart will be, whoo, God, talk to me. And then you'll go tell somebody at work, let me show you what God showed me. And they'll go, yeah, whatever. And you know why? Because it wasn't for them. It was just for you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that day, when you know the God who spoke this world into existence and the God who's so big, he holds the world and the universe in his hand, took time to speak to little old you. It will crank your tractor. And guess what it'll do? It'll give you a desire to do more. Ladies and gentlemen, even if we start with five minutes a day, it's something. Let's start somewhere. And all God's people say it. Let's stand. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll help us today. Help us to be.